0: New York, I'm Adam Teeter
1: from Connecticut. I'm Erica Ducey,
0: and in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Bear Podcast. And uh, guys, it's like it's late July, which is weird. Like, oh my really weird,
1: very weird.
2: How how is it that time is both going incredibly slow and incredibly fast? Like, I, like it's it's bizarre. It always feels that way a little bit, but but man, this year has been
1: so yeah,
0: weird. I don't know. It has been because like. You know, when I realized it was late July, I said last night to Nina I was like, oh my gosh, we've been in quarantine for like a year. And it was like four months, four months <laughs> out of and I was like, wow, these four months have felt super long, like you said. But then also everything has felt really quick. Like it's like, how are we already at the end of July? I thought we just had July 4th. It's very, you know, it's really weird.
1: Yeah. And with two kids, it's like Lord of the Flies all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can only imagine. It just
1: keeps getting worse. <laughs>
0: it's like i mean have they have they even are you like are you like sort of like on the edge of your seat wondering what's going to happen with school in the fall or has has it oh, already yeah. have they already made a decision
1: no, they've made no decision. We're not going to know for a couple weeks. It's it's sort of crazy. So yeah, at this point, the kids are just like running around the yard, like in 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 tatters, playing in the pond, like you know, covering themselves with mud. Like I don't even know where they are right now.
0: So it really is Lord of the Flies.
1: <laughs> it really is. No, they like you know they like they cut they paint themselves with mud. It's like you know they're way out there these days.
2: <laughs> There's got to be a local farm
0: you could get a pig skull from if you really wanted.
1: <laughs> That's next.
0: <laughs> so ridiculous. I mean, it is, it is pretty crazy. Like we've all sort of gotten used to this and yet haven't gotten used to it all at all. You know, it's, it's just such a nuts time to be, uh, to be doing anything in this world right now. Right. Especially in this country.
2: Yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a country that like had handled this thing reasonably well. You could
0: actually be thinking about like a normal-ish fall. I don't know. Right seems hard to believe. It is pretty crazy. Like, you know, talking to people, I had a call earlier today with, um, some people who have a a brand, you know, a a well-known spirits brand here in the U S but it's also obviously huge in Asia. And I was talking to them and they're like, yeah, like in Asia, like our coworkers are like back to normal. They're in the office. Like they all wear masks, Like, like, but they have a different like attitude of like, you know, we all protect each other. Whereas here we're like, "Eh, ah, mask. I I don't like how I, I don't like smelling my breath. So therefore I'm not going to (laughs) wear one. You know, like that's, that's our attitude in this country, which is which is pretty crazy. Cause yeah, it, w- it would be really interesting to see like, what is it like to be in a country that really handled it well?
1: Right. New Zealand or Australia. I, I would love to hear, we got, we should talk to someone from New Zealand and Australia, some, some restaurants or wineries over there. And just to hear, you know, what, what is it like on the other side? I mean,
0: even in countries like Italy or, you know, they're very much back to normal, you know, and yeah. like in a lot of ways, not obviously to say it's totally normal, but you know, a lot of people are taking, you know, legitimate summer vacations and you know eating out a lot more and a lot of the the businesses are back in in their offices but everyone's kind of just wearing masks and i think that that's just an interesting thing that that we have all come to realize that that's the one thing that basically everyone has to do and like it's the one thing that here we just we won't do um and that makes it just very frustrating it's like wow it actually is that simple like you know get get the cases down and then everyone just wear this thing on your face like no one likes to wear it it's not we all understand it's not comfortable, but they're. I would like
2: to interject. My two-year-old really likes to wear his mask. No, I actually, could actually see how like kids it. like it. He balks it when I make him take it off. When we come inside, he like wants to keep it on. So
0: I could Aww. see how kids like it. It's like kind of like a costume. It's a little bit yeah. like superhero feeling. Like I actually could see like my niece has a really cute mask with like fairies on it and stuff. And she loves it, you know? So I could see how like, yeah, it's like a, it's a fun thing. It's like playing dress up almost. Um, whereas like, yeah, for us, it, it's uncomfortable but it is what it is like you have to wear one just get over it and you know we'd all get through this a, a lot faster but you know i just no one wants to do it it really boggles the mind so anyways um speaking of health uh we're gonna <laughs> let's transition to our topic for this week which is uh you know something that has been bubbling in the the world of Alcohol in general for the last you know few years, but seemed to come to a head, especially in the wine world uh, over the last two weeks, and that is this idea of uh, marketing beverages. But we'll, let's talk specifically about wine today uh, as clean. So you had a, a few a few instances of people releasing wines, including including Cameron Diaz, uh, using the word clean to describe the wine. There was a lot of uh, uproar over that, but but the wines are actually selling like crazy. <laughs> um, People can't keep them in stock, and so you know there's there's been a, a large debate over you know what is and isn't fair marketing practices when it comes to selling wine, right? So what is dubious and what isn't? What are we allowed to say and what aren't we allowed to say? And for me, one of the biggest issues I took umbrage with was that I do not like refer people referring to wine as clean. I think that that isn't right. But I also like you know hate the hate the player, don't hate the game. Like I also understand. That they're like they hustled and they use something that people that, that's a word that people care about, just like clean eating, whatever, and they sold money. Like you can't hate on those people for it. But I, I think the other thing that I had issue with was what I felt was the hypocrisy coming from a lot of people that were the loudest uh, sort of criticizers against the word clean because they're this, the people who use the word natural. Yeah. And so for me, my issue was like I want to be on your side here, but you are not admitting that you also use a word that you think means a lot that I think to a lot of people means exactly the same thing that clean does. And whether you want to say that, you know, clean wine isn't as fair as natural wine. The the reality is that, you know, all you have to do is look at the essay that was written in the New York times last summer in the style section by a writer who literally said the reason that they drink wines that are labeled natural is because they think they are cleaner and better for them. And no one has ever tried to refute that because It also helps you sell wine. It also packs your wine bar. It also gets people to call, you know, to try wines that they wouldn't normally try. So everyone is using marketing terms in order to sell their product. Right. But like, I, I, so I would like us all like, let's get over both of them. But, you know, maybe, maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe we should just hate, hate the word clean and not the word natural. I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: I mean, for me, this is a continuation. Uh, the The thing we're talking about is so Cameron, Cameron Diaz last week or maybe even two weeks ago now launched this brand called Aveline. And so uh, if you, if you watch the video on social media and you see how this thing is marketed, it's it's really does set up this dichotomy that her wine is clean and all wines, all other wines by definition then are dirty. And I think that, that is the thing that, that is makes me most uh, upset about this whole thing. And I, I think it's just a continuation though. So, you know, first we had uh, dry farm wines and I think they did this, this marketing, this clean marketing, very, in a very clever way. But the thing is, is it, it's just um, uh, built on, misinformation and the lack of consumers really understanding what's going on so for dry farm wines you know they package up commercially available organic and biodynamic wines they mark them up and they sell them under the guise of sugar-free these are sugar-free wines and you know like low carb all this sort of stuff but guess what all wines any dry wine is going to be sugar free or nearly sugar free, and also very low carbs. So uh, that's it's it's that misnomer. Wink recently with their wonderful wine company, they're marketing it as clean wine for better living. Um, and you know their their tagline is "Health conscious wine lovers meet the low carb, low sugar, organic wine you've been waiting for." And like this is the problem with this is that it is just not. Accurate. It's it's misleading. Um, so I think what I see happening is that uh, you know over and over we're getting these uh, this pickup from what was clean eating and now it's transitioned over to uh, clean drinking. And I I just don't think it, it's accurate. And if you really look into Aveline and how this wine in particular was made and packaged. It's not that much different than really any other organic wine that is like kind of middle of the road industrial produced that's out there right now.
2: So I think the problem started, it starts with this simple fact, which is very easily misconstrued and possibly abused by both natural and clean wine people. And that is that there are very minimal requirements for labeling of wine yep and if you look at marketing material for for natural wine for clean wine they both harp on this fact of you don't know what's in your wine it could have you know fish bladders it could have egg whites it could have mega purple it could have all these things and look there's some truth to that. It's true. There is no, you know, uh, mandate in the United States. There are like 60 odd additives that can be used as and as part of the winemaking process that don't have to be disclosed on the label. But this idea that because there isn't disclosure on the label, it means that every wine has these things lurking in it is, first of all, silly. Second of all for the most part, who gives a shit? Like, yes, I don't like mega purple in my wine because I don't really want to, you know, I want my wine to be uh, an expression of place and of, of what actually happened in a vineyard, not what happened in a lab to concentrate grape essence. But you know what? I've had wines that have mega purple in it and sometimes they're all right. You know, they're not like <laughs> amazing, but like, w- let's get over ourselves a little bit here. And and, and it just comes back to this fact that, that they, they harp on this lack of labeling And look, I think there's a lot to be said about the idea that maybe we should, as a consumer base, be advocating for more labeling in wine, that maybe you shouldn't be able to put these things in without having to disclose it. That's a little bit of an adjacent conversation to this. But the reality is there's just this abuse of that fact. And and I always kind of think back, like, you know, it's like, what if I said, you know, what if I packaged up a wine and I said, you know, this wine has zero asbestos in it. Well, would your question then as a consumer who didn't know better be like, well, wait, does other wine have asbestos in it? I mean, we're basically talking about the same stuff in that claiming that your wine doesn't have something that most wine doesn't have doesn't set you apart, except for with the majority of consumers who don't know any better because most people don't know much about how wine is made because it's complicated. And, you know, why would you bother to know unless you're us?
0: I mean, I think that's the issue. too. Like, So that's my issue as well is like we're we're, we're creating these issues like problems for consumers in both ways like erica i completely agree with you i think i did not like how this was done i think it's interesting too that it actually isn't on the label for avilene they just it was just like something they said in this video but then that's what went viral which was pretty smart actually on their part um but i think you know in both regards like why are you know why are we scaring consumers about sulfites right like why is that something that all of a sudden we're deeming as bad and and that's the same thing in terms of marketing and i think it's interesting that in, especially in the world of spirits you don't have people react you know as negatively to, to marketing which i think is is curious right so in the world of wine i think we want to we want to really believe in a lot of ways and again this is not to say i agree with anything with the way they marketed the wines but we want to believe that like everyone is an artist but at the end of the day like if people were artists then they they would be independently wealthy and they wouldn't need to like a half of these people who make wine they need to make a living they need to sell it right and so some people use celebrity spokesmen in order to sell their wines some people you know use different marketing terms in order to sell their wine some people just make really damn good wine that everyone gets really excited about and that's how they sell their wine but it, at the end of the day everyone needs to market it somehow somewhere i just don't remember and maybe i'm i'm wrong i don't remember the same massive reaction when george clooney came out and said that his tequila didn't give you a hangover People were like, that was really smart. Like, (laughs) Casamigos did a really smart thing. And a lot of other tequila brands started, like, emulating that sort of positioning. No one was like, how dare George Clooney say that his tequila is more pure and doesn't, you know, give you a hangover? They were like, he had a really good idea. And I do think that there
2: would be people, if he said that today, I think there would be a little bit more pushback on that. In part because I think there's also this complicated issue of... A white dude saying that his oh, totally, totally. tequila totally. product is clean and other ones are not. Like
0: don't worry, there's a there's an article today on the site about that. But uh oh, there you go. Perfect. tequila. But uh, I mean and by today I mean the day you're listening to the podcast, not today while we're recording it. But uh but yeah, I mean I agree with you there. But I mean it was only four years ago. I mean it wasn't like it was it was super long ago. I just I feel like there is again, maybe and maybe that's just what I'm paying attention to or the worlds we all operate in. I do feel like there there has this there's this weird anger that comes out. Only in wine, in a way that's very different than spirits of beer. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, that's just sort of what I feel.
1: Well, to me, I think it's 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 the, it's this mindset. So I I think that especially recently in wine and spirits, we are seeing such a huge shift of celebrities, you know, building and building and building in this space. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's this mindset of like, Oh, rich celebrity bestow upon us, your godly wisdom. Thank (laughs) goodness you decided to tackle the problem of dirty wine. It took someone with your talent to (laughs) undercover the truth about wine and its disgusting practices and it's disgusting winemakers. Now we are saved the end perfect soundbite. You know, that's the thing. Like, and you know, further, it's elitist. You know, this one in particular, Aveline is such, with this clean dirty dynamic, I think it is so elitist. It's like You can't drink clean unless you can afford to shell out $24 for my Cameron Diaz bottle of wine. And then if you can't do that, you clearly don't care about what you're putting in your body. And that's the knock that clean eating has gotten because no one can afford to go to a farmer's market and hand source every piece of food they're putting in their mouth. But that's this mindset that's getting shifted over in this particular celebrity case that really pisses me off.
0: Is it all Gwen's fault? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really is like Goop really started pushing (laughs) this earlier than anyone else, right? Like this was a a thing that sort of happened really early on. And but I mean, that's the thing is Goop's been a you know a proponent of a lot of the like these ideas of like natural fermentation versus inoculation. Like I don't know, it's it's just it's all so complicated because I feel like I want to be really angry at this whole thing, but it's hard for me to. I'm because I feel like there's this whole other category of wine that's been doing it for so long. And they were some of the people that were the angriest. So I'm like, I don't, I I can't, I can't be as angry as I need to be about how much (laughs) this is annoying and the way that they marketed it. I don't know. Jack, are you as conflicted
2: as I am? Uh, no, because I think, I think to me, there is a fundamental difference. I mean, look, you all listening to this know I've had my issues with the natural wine crowd plenty of times, but I will say that with, with some notable exceptions, they've mostly struck me as people who are pretty earnest. I find the clean wine crowd to be much more nakedly opportunistic. You know, it it really is. That's what always happens.
1: I completely agree. That's what happens. 100% agree.
2: Because here's the thing, right? if If I were to believe that that again not to to highlight, but it's the thing we're talking about that Cameron Diaz were really passionate about wine, then you would think that say the variety or even the the place where this wine is made because not like Cameron Diaz is going to Spain and picking the grapes and making the wine like she she contracted with a, a large uh, wine making uh, consortium uh, there's a great article out on um, uh, by uh, Miguel Houdin about this, and he kind of figured out sort he of but that
0: he doesn't say who it is, right like no one still knows right. who it is.
2: He doesn't disclose because he chose not to because he didn't – he felt like it might blow back on the producer, uh, the actual people who make the wine. But the point is, like, he was able to figure out who's making it. You know, I think the, the the wine itself might actually be pretty good. Like, I don't think there's necessarily any reason to think the wine is inherently bad. Well, yeah, he says it's like a respected producer that he – like, yeah. his wines he enjoys. So probably the wine is good. Mm. Yeah. And chorella, which is the grape that they're largely using is, I think, as he points out in his piece also, like, I think a a variety that is overdue for some recognition. And it's that exact fact, I think, that for him and for many of us is sort of galling about this, because had this this line and this wine been, been sort of, positioned slightly differently, where there was a little bit of attention paid, or, or, or marketing shine given to the grape, the place, the people who actually were who made it, not just the ones who slapped their name on it and branded it. it, it would be a possible it could be it could possibly be inoffensive in the same way that look, you can feel however you want to feel about Miraval. But like, it's true that there wasn't, you know, that yes, you know, uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie being involved in it helped catapult it to, onto people's radar but it's legitimately really good rose and, and it brought some attention to a category that maybe didn't need yeah. a lot of help but but certainly didn't hurt for it and and I think that you know this is the the issue I have with these sort of clean wines is that they seem almost uh, the opposite of a lot of natural wine and that they seem interested in obscuring the place of origin the variety the whatever else of the wine, because really it's a marketing ploy. It's really about being able to shift the source of the grapes. You know, often they don't have a vintage on them so that they can be sort of remade at any given time and, and, you know, due to demand. And it's sort of this actually very, very, you know, for all they're complaining about lack of transparency and labeling, to me, these wines are some of the least transparent wines out there. It's very hard. Um, They're basically the only thing like them are some of the really mass produced, um, you know, sort of grocery store brand wines that also have almost no information on the label. You know, they don't even have a variety sometimes or a vintage. It's just a proprietary name. And that's really what this
0: is just with a different marketing gimmick than, you know, whatever. But this is what happens in in business. And I think like, the, and again, this is having to recognize that the wine, you know, that wine is a business, is that there are movements that are truly organic. Ha, huh, I use that word. <laughs> uh, you know, there are movements that start and then people, figure out ways to exploit those movements. Right. So I, I completely agree. I think the very, you know, there's a lot of people I know who are proponents of natural wine, who I respect a lot, who have had me taste wines that I think are absolutely amazing and who I know aren't, you know, sort of in it because of, I don't want to say a lack of understanding, but, but just because they've also been duped, right. They really, they know the producers, they're passionate about it. And they actually, there's some people that won't use the term natural that often right? Then there's other people that became crazy zealots kind of of the category without sort of understanding wine in general. But like to them, all other wine was bad. This was the only good wine. And that sort of Became something that they were putting out on social media and marketing, et cetera. And, you know, a really well known, a few well known companies have said, huh, we're going to figure out how to exploit this. I mean, we predicted this act, you and I, like over a year ago, I think. We're like, someone is going to exploit this. I thought it was going to be like Aldi or something. Turns out that it's Cameron Diaz. But, like, it's the same with, so I I never knew this. Um, One of our closest friends is a fashion designer. And she has told us, you know, did you know that if you send a product that's made in China to Italy and it just gets a final stitch, you can say made in Italy? No way. So there's a lot of people that will do that, right? A lot of brands so that you can have these because they know now American consumers care about that label, right? They've been told that made in Italy matters. So there's, you know, so some of these lower cost fashion brands have realized the way we can make can charge a little bit more and sell more is say, you know, well, let's let's send this, you know, this suit or this dress to Italy for the final stitching. It's cost very little compared to what it would cost if you were buying Armani or Billy Reid or, you know, So, you know, any of these really high-end fashion brands, but like, let's get the final stitch made and it can have this label in it, which is crazy to think about. And it's the same idea, right? It's these larger companies that realize, okay, this is what consumers want, or this is what they're being told is, you know, is is a signifier of quality. So in fashion, it's made in Italy label. In wine, it's the word clean or the word natural. Let's exploit it because there's, there's, there's very little regulation that's stopping us from doing that. And so that's what happens. Like when you don't have regulation. Companies will t- go as far as they can to exploit it and take advantage of it for the consumer. Like, and it is super annoying. But I- I'm not surprised it happened. I'm actually surprised it was Cameron Diaz. I'm surprised it was a celebrity first and not just a really big company. Which I'm sure there is a big company behind her. But again, we don't even know. Um, but that that's you know it was bound to happen.
1: It's true. I mean, I think that it is. You know, it it's just going to continue. I think it's yeah. going to get worse and worse unless there's more labeling transparency, I you know, and some sort of legislation around that, uh, and and around the terminology of things like natural and clean. I think we're just going to keep heading further and further down this path.
2: So I think an important piece of this, too, because some of it is, I think you're right, Adam, that, that some of this is inevitable because the reality yeah. is marketing and, and industry forces are what they are. But but I actually think the the thing I wanted to get your, your take on, both of you, because I'm struggling with it a little bit myself, is from a journalistic uh, media side, I think one thing that has to be worked on a little bit is how... These categories of wine in particular are talked about, and it's because they have such a little, say, they have so little legal um, guideline in a way that organic or and even biodynamic have more kind of, there are either, uh, you know, sort of government imposed or at least sanctioning body imposed rules, and you have to kind of, you know, meet these rules to be able to to call yourself, you know, organic or, or biodynamic or whatever. And natural and and clean are kind of in the eye of the holder at the moment. And so, I think one important thing that has to come out of this from from the wine industry and, like I said, from the media side is standards about you know do we use these terms? When do we use these terms? How how confident do we have to be that what someone is saying in their marketing pitch is actually true? Yep. And I would personally like to say that I think I think this is where one of the where the big issue comes up because so much of what happens is these this information is conveyed to a credulous public, often you know sort of laundered through um, respected publications. And I'm not talking about vine Bear here. I'm talking about some other ones that I've read. I'm not going to, uh, you know, shit talk any specific article on this podcast. You can DM me if you want to know what I think. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and the reality is like a lot of these, you know, not always, they're often not wine focused publications. They're sort of more general publications Yeah, use this terminology. Like you were talking about the, the New York times style piece from a year ago and they, they're they're written by people who may not know a lot about wine, uh, they're sometimes pay-to-play articles, all that kind of stuff, and and they just muddy the water so badly that I think it's important on uh, for, for those of us in the media to do better in terms of when are we going to use these terms and we cannot let the producer define if their wine is clean or natural. That it, Unless there's a certifying body, then it, at a minimum it has to come down to a sort of standard that's set by an outside organization because... Everyone's going to call their self, themselves natural or clean if it becomes a selling point. I mean, that's what's happening. And, and we yeah. have to, as a, as a media body, do better, I think, and, and have standards that, that whether or not the winery or the, the person who's selling the wine thinks that their wine should be called natural or clean, you know, that there has to be some outside standard imposed. And if it's not a, a, a certifying body, then it has to be us. Yeah, I agree.
1: I mean, I think from from my perspective, I have not seen any wine or drinks publications that really kind of fell for the bait on this one. It was all people in style, all of the big consumer publications who came out uh, with this Aveline wine and said, "Like, oh my god, you know, Cameron Diaz, the savior from you know keeping us from dirty <laughs> wine," um, and that was pretty much a hundred percent across the board for anything that was not a drinks publication. So. I think it's, it's just that there is just a huge amount of, uh, a fundamental lack of consumer understanding and and in this case the consumers are also the journalists right so that's that's what we're dealing with here is that the people who are writing these articles have probably you know zero experience or understanding about wine this is just one of you know five articles that they are or or ten articles that they're writing in a week and they're just like flipping through the press release so i think that's that's the real problem here is that a lot of the gatekeepers really have no idea about wine. And my question back is like, what can we do as wine interested people and people in the wine industry to better convey like what is honest and accurate? Uh, And then how do we get people to understand what is a buzzword?
0: So, I mean, I think there's a a few things here. One, um, you know, I, I can't speak for other publications, but you know, Erica, when you came on board and you know, you shared Josh and my sensibility because you know, we're both trained journalists. Like, I think one of the biggest things, which I do think is pervasive in, in in a lot of, let's say, lifestyle media, whether that's drinks, sports, et cetera, is we really try not to employ or take pitches from what I would call book report writers. So, you know, people who like they basically had regurgitated facts to them from a producer, or whatever they went on a press trip and then they wrote it and they never. You know, challenge whether or not they were being told the truth, right? And I think that happens a lot, right? And especially in in lifestyle publications because you have been given this free thing. You know, you went on a trip and it was really fun, and the you know the winemaker was really charming, and they served you a beautiful dinner, and they had a wonderful place, and they said, "I am the first producer to ever grow organic Nebbiolo in Piedmont." And you wrote it, and then you're like, "That never, that's not true," you know. But you didn't do the research because they said it, and you 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 took them at their word. And I think it's the same with a lot of the lifestyle people. Like you're going to be given access. To Cameron Diaz, right? You get to talk to her about this new. Like, are you going to challenge Cameron Diaz? Like, she's telling you that her wine is clean. You're like, cool, Cameron Diaz. I got to interview. That is dope. I, I mean, it's we are at the end of the day, like we we are humans, right? And there there's a cool thing about talking to the person, you know, the star of the mask. <laughs> like, it's just there's there's, <laughs> there's a. I, I wanted to bring up that oldie, but like there is there's a cool thing about that, right? And so I think a lot of these lifestyle writers are not going to challenge you know, a celebrity telling them something, right? They're just going to write it, which is a problem. And I think it also speaks to, you know, what's unfortunately happening in newsrooms, which we talk about all the time, which is, you know, there's there's less budget because there's less advertising for more editors over the writers to do the fact checking to make sure that this stuff is actually accurate before it publishes, uh, which is just what is happening in the world of journalism and really unfortunate. Um, but I think it is also trying to be critical of words that we don't think have regulation, which is, to be honest with you, why I've why we've taken the position, You know, I don't want to say it's a publication position, but sort of like my position on natural wine is because my issue with it is just that it's not regulated, right? So I don't want to just give it, you know, carte blanche of like, oh, that must mean the wine is, you know, organic or biodynamic, all this stuff. Whereas I'm very open to, you know, talk a lot about someone who says they're a biodynamic producer and is certified that way, right? Because they they do it and they can prove it. And that's a different thing. Um, and so I think it is like tr- trying to avoid those buzzwords. And then, you know, having po- like doing podcasts like this, writing articles that are critical when these things happen and, and saying like, look, this is bullshit. Yeah. On both sides. Right, like this term "clean wine" is bullshit, and these other terms are bullshit too. And you, as a consumer, should be aware of it because you're the one getting duped. And if you want to buy the wine because you like Cameron Diaz and she's showing you, uh, you know, a really great wine from Spain that you, uh, you know, that that is made from a grape you should know about, that is awesome. You should buy that wine. But if you're buying that wine just because she told you it's clean, you should think twice because that's not that should not be a factor because that's not true.
1: Totally.
0: Last piece here for me
2: is, as always, there's fucking alcohol in these wines. They can only be so healthy. Like, it's just the reality of it. You know, it's not like in the end there isn't a poison in there. Now look, it's an awesome poison that we all really like and we like the effect it has on us. And we like what comes along with it, but you know, unless, unless Cameron Diaz is going to start selling non-alcoholic wine, I think it's a little rich to be saying, Oh yes, this is clean. Like it's just, it's not, it it might be, we might be willing to deal with the side effects and the consequences, but, but you know, as of, as, as far as we know, you know, there's no universe in which like, um, you can really fairly say that about any product that has alcohol in it. I I think that's, that's a safe statement to make. Totally.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a last little takeaway, all of these bald marketing ploys, clean wine, clean wine is I think the worst marketing (laughs) ploy that I have seen in, in all my years of, of covering wine, for at least 15 years that I have been doing this thing, this is this is the, the thing that I wish would go away more than any other term. But, you know, I see that this coming down the pike, and people have seen the uh, success of Aveline. They've seen the success of Dry Farm Wines, which does this, of the wonderful Wine Co., which does this, and it is only picking up steam. Oh, so yeah. I think for consumers, you know, if you want to pay a marked-up price for a wine— Make sure it's labeled clean, because that's that's what that's where you're going to be spending those marked up dollars. You know, if you if, but if you really want to find, you know, if you're concerned about wanting how a wine is made or wanting to, um, you know, make sure that you have organic or biodynamic grapes, or or that you're looking for wines where, um, you know, where the vineyard workers are treated fairly. Go straight to the source. Do not go to these uh, gatekeepers like celebrities or to these wine clubs because that is not the source of truth.
0: I love it, man. Erica came in hot today. I I love it. I mean, look. (laughs) She's been yelling at the kids. She's ready. I know. No, but I mean, I I, I agree with you. I think, you know, there's something to be said for like, you know, the wine world especially is very confusing. But I think, you know, our food ways in general are confusing in this country. Be a smart consumer. And if it matters to you, be a smart consumer, call out bullshit when you see it, and ask real questions. Because you know, if someone tells you this wine is clean or this wine is organic, ask to see the certification. Ask them to show you something that proves what they're actually saying. And if they can't produce it, then realize it's bullshit. Right. At at the end of the day, across the board, whatever term someone is using, ask them what that means and how they define that and what the regulations are. And if they can't show you any of those defining characteristics, then just know that you're buying bullshit. And if you still want to buy that bullshit, that's totally fine. It's your money. Spend it the way you want to. But just know that there is, in everything in this world, there's marketing speak and marketing speak works. If you don't, if you want to be a smart consumer, be able to identify marketing speak, decipher marketing speak, and question it. That's it. I can't say it better than that. <laughs> well then, <laughs> Agreed. I will I will uh I will chat with both of you next week for for some some random subject that we will that will be to be determined based on whatever happens in the week before we record. <laughs> uh, but but until then, I will uh we want to thank everyone for listening as always. Uh drop us a review, give us a shout out on iTunes, Stitcher, uh which just got bought actually. Um, or wherever else you get your podcasts. It really helps people discover the show. And if you agree or disagree with us, always shoot us an email at podcast at vinepair.com. Erica, Zach, and I love to know what you think. Um, And if you're you're comfortable with it, we would love to share any of your thoughts on the next show. Thanks so much. Thank you. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vinepair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now, for the credits. VinePair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Petrie and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout-out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the VinePair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.